Welcome to the Every Thought Matters podcast, where truly every thought does matter. Join me and my guests to explore how they got to where they are and how their thoughts have changed their lives. So, as you know, click to subscribe, rate, review. That all helps me in growing this podcast to where I want it to be. So, thank you again for joining Every Thought Matters podcast. Today, listen to Elizabeth Cooper and me talk about Catholic guilt, the macaroni salad robbers, and how thoughts help her not only in her craft as a writer, producer, and actress, but also as a mother of five and homeschooler. It's fun, we laugh, and we have a blast connecting. Hey, Elizabeth, how are you? I'm doing well, Kelly. How are you? Well, welcome to the Every Thought Matters podcast. How was your day today? Busy. You know, little kids running around, babies and work and school and busy, busy. Yeah, I read your bio. I'm like, my God, you've done everything. And yet you're also a mother with all these kids. And then you've done almost every role in Hollywood, you know, (laughs) save the key grip, right? Um, I've actually gripped before. (laughs) You've gripped before? I have, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I love it. Inside and out, Kelly. You know, it's one of those things that when you really, truly find your passion, you want to learn everything inside and out about it. And that is absolutely how I am. I love behind the camera almost as much as I love in front of the camera. So when a red light comes on, you're like that a little bit more, huh? Love it. Yeah. So, you know, this is my podcast is Every Thought Matters, which is about how our thoughts affect our lives. So when did you have that first thought that you loved the entertainment business? I was probably, let me do some math. Um, Don't hurt yourself. Three, I know. I know math is not my strong suit. About three years old. And then it really manifest when I was five. And my sister was getting married. And our city was New York City, even though we're from the Jersey side, you know, that was our big city. And my mother started looking into photographers to photograph, you know, my sister and her soon-to-be husband and just seeing those. And at the time in the very early 80s, the cameras and the lenses, it was huge, you know, and they would have these gigantic tripods and I was just enamored with the entire process of the lighting and the finished product and the negatives and how do you develop negative, like from a very, very small young age. So the intricacies really uh, piqued my interest, but then being able to shoot people at such an angle, different angles, you would see them straight on. They look totally different than they do from a profile, from a half turn profile. So I fell in love with it then. And I begged my mother very, very young to get into modeling. But New York City was not a great place for young girls who wanted to be models in the early 80s. So she refused. She said, you know, what? I don't know anything about the industry. I'm not going to be the best to guide you. And I don't know anybody who would. So we need to wait. So we did. We waited. My father took a very early retirement. He was very blessed to be able to retire at, I think he was 52 or 53 when he worked for Beecham. So when Beecham merged with Smith Klein, our option was retirement 
or moved to Philadelphia. And they had enough of the city life. So we moved to Western North Carolina while I was a very young teenager. And there just wasn't really a market at the time for modeling or acting or, or any of it. So I wound up getting into corporate and then later in life got into it. And I, I guess, you know, there's a rhyme and a reason for everything. And there's a season that when you execute in that season, man, the blessings are abound. And that's exactly where I am. And I love it. Well, that sounds a, I don't have the modeling background, but I also, I fell into corporate, but then I fell in love with the acting and the true, to be truthful, the thought process that went into the acting. And I enjoyed how you had to create characters with your thoughts, with the words that were on the page, but then you had to carry those words to your head, to the, the audience. And when that red light came on, I just found that fascinating to me. So tell me a little bit about how, in front of the camera, how you use your thoughts to actually create characters. Mm, that's a good question. I am someone who definitely performs better when I'm under the gun. And my characters I decided when I first created the Caffeinated Cooper show, I knew that I wanted to show many different facets of what I can do. So it was a marketing tool. And I thought, this, this is great. I was in between seasons and, and I'm glad that I created the Caffeinated Cooper show because being in between seasons of the Elizabeth Cooper show and Cooper's Kitchen, which was produced with a completely different production company, uh, they were never able to come forward with contracts to go into season two. We're still talking about it. They're still a wonderful production company, but it's, you know, it's, it's still in the future. So I knew at the time that my family needed a little bit more of me and I needed to stay relevant. So the characters coming back to your question, there were a couple of them that I had written and I had already, you know, created and then there were a few of them that were born literally hours before I went live. And I decided to do it the hardest possible way, which was to script, create, you know, of course, birth, and then create, script, and go live with it. So there's no margin for error whatsoever. And if you do make an error, you have to be able to, in character, continue because of course you can't break character so once I did that a couple of times and then I in character you know you're, you're trying to find your mouse down below to disconnect your broadcast <laughs> and I disconnected and it was a big okay I did it but what does it look like <laughs> and you cross your fingers and hope it comes out good and um, so that's how Many of them were created. Uh, some of them pull from a little bit of my own family craziness. My granny Fran, well, my grandmother, the one grandmother that was in my life was Frances. And a lot of that craziness is her. And, you know, tweaked a little bit, but it is truly her. And she's a lot of fun. So, um, you know, they come from all over the place. Some of them take a long birthing process and some of them are just, boom, we're, we're out there. We're doing it. It comes with just one saying, one thought. So I could be in the middle of the grocery store. My child would turn to me and say something, just one phrase. There's a character. 
and uh, it's it's an awesome experience. So it sounds like, and to me, this is always a question I have of pretty much everybody I talk to is, is do we receive thoughts or do we actually think thoughts? So with creating characters, are you just like receiving that character based on like you explain how that works? I would say for me, it's a complete receipt. You know, it is something that I'm not just thinking about. I think if we were just thinking about characters, no matter if they were scripted and someone else else birthed them, but you were the right fit, you know, like t- traditional mm-hmm. casting. Um, I think if you're just to think the character, you're not truly being. And for me, it's a metamorphosis. I have to be who I'm projecting. And I also have to be open enough to realize that if I'm going to do it well, you, to put it harshly and not meaning to put it harshly, but you have to accept and embrace the schizophrenia that it is. Because you are entering all those different characters into yourself to be them. And you got to be happy with that. You have to be happy with the fact that all these different personalities fill up a really big room. And and that's just how it is. You carry them with you. And uh, it's like becoming schizophrenic, but you're in total control of it. You're not crazy. It's not the crazy part, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's... Interesting, because I think I do believe that I've done some writing of scripts and whatever, and where I truly interview my characters before I write them, meaning I write dialogue, so I interview them. So I actually just allow their thoughts to actually come to me. And that's the same process. Even when you have a script in front of you and the camera, the red light's on, you still have to allow yourself to receive that thought to say that next line which is kind of cool. And when you get into that zone, it's the coolest feeling. So do you ever get into that kind of zone just in life in terms of dealing with everything that you have going on with your life? Do you ever get into that little bit of a zone? Not There's no red light. There's no script. But yet you feel like, I need to make a right turn here. Totally. I, you know, I can remember being a child. I think if I was to diagnose myself, I probably do have a degree of anxiety, which would make a whole lot of sense. A lot of my children have been diagnosed with some form of anxiety disorder. And um, I watched my mother suffer with it. And I don't think she really even knows um, that she does exhibit those things. So as a very small child, I would choose a form of escapism. And for me, it was becoming a butterfly, becoming a bird, being able to still stay intact with what was going on, but you're soaring and you're gliding. So, yes, I I agree with you. Absolutely, Kelly. Yeah, I think that it's, it's fun because I'm starting to get into my own practice with my coaching and everything about then teaching my clients, which I don't call them clients. I call them co-creators because I just think. I'm there to help to co-create with them. But what I teach them is how to receive the thoughts, like to kind of get a blank slate in your brain and receive that to whatever that is. And people find their purpose. They find what they really want to do. And when you start receiving thoughts, just like an actor does, seriously, if you're doing any sort of ad libs, you're receiving a thought in order based on a 
a response. And we have to do that in life too, in order to become who we truly are and who we truthfully want to be. So, and it sounds like you actually embrace that not only in your front of the camera, behind the camera life, but also just being a mother and having kids and taking care of them and all of that that goes with it. And you actually kind of walk that path of following those impulses. Yes, yes, I agree with you. I think all mothers, all fathers out there, um, there is a degree at which your core personality is that parent, but it doesn't fully encompass being just that parent. As then you turn around, you maybe you have a career or you have a hobby or you're a, a front man in a band, you know, so the front man and the band can't be in daddy mode <laughs> or in right. husband mode, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, when I moved, like I mentioned, you know, I moved from New Jersey to North Carolina and being a very young teenager, you don't realize how naive you are and how sheltered you've been in your own bubble. You know, perception is reality. So my perception was New Jersey and I brought that New Jersey, North Carolina. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> and it still doesn't work that way. And there are words, most of my words are very neutral. I grew up in Metuchen, New Jersey. Metuchen, New Jersey was the home of Desi Arnaz, Lucille Ball. David Copperfield went to high school with my sister. There were a lot of many great big talents that came out of there. So we don't have the very harsh New Jersey accent, but there are certain words. And I learned very quickly in my North Carolina experience that I needed to do what I call a my fair lady process of when I'm speaking and my children will tell you something very funny about me when I am mad at them <laughs> my brain begins to work faster than my my fair lady filter does and all of these New Jersey words come out in a very New Jersey tone <laughs> So they know when I'm mad because they're like, oh, mom's filters are off. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, you know, it's an interesting thing to say that, you know, all these huge things, may it be your, your work, your field, your corporate job, your office, whatever it is, or becoming a parent, um, being a, a son or a daughter to someone, your church life, whatever it may be. Um, these are very huge pieces of you, but they tend to stay in their lane, in their box. Interesting. So with all of those things, how do you, do you have any holistic practices that you do in order to keep juggling all of these things with the kids and your shows, you got another show in production and how do you, do you have any sort of grounding holistic practices that you use in order to help keep yourself sane? Absolutely. When I'm at home, it's exercise. Exercise would be the only time that everything and anything gets shut off. So there's no phone calls, there's no emails, there's no mommy this, mommy that. With our current situation where I have many children and I have had many children at home homeschooling, uh, that has, you know, the line has gotten a little fuzzy there. <laughs> I have to be very careful about when I schedule that. If I don't schedule it perfectly in my day, 
and uh, school is still happening, then I have to open myself to realize that I can't fully meditate because that would be where my meditation is. I tend to group it all into one at home because my home life is extremely demanding. During normal times, um, not only do I have my daily exercise that would be uninterrupted, but I also have my travel. And when I travel, that's where I get my full release and I can meditate, I can slow things down and open up my creative side. And that's where I get my best writing. May it be characters or scripting or music. Um, that's where it's at for me is within my travel. So this year has been quite interesting because I have traveled, I took one trip and that was for a different company. It was more of a corporate trip, but I tried to get a little bit of a way time in it. Uh, and that was in January. So this whole year has been homestead, you know, taking care of kids and feeding them well and trying to make things as normal as possible. Well, that would explain the abundance of creative energy because when you would come out to L.A. and visit, I would, I, that explains why you bring such high energy. And even though that, I still, you know, I wrote out an intro for this thing and I always noticed that you bring great high energy to your creative endeavors. And I remember the first time you interviewed me, I was blown away because I felt like I was in the middle of a hurricane and I didn't know how to adapt. And then once I figured it out, it was great. And we had a great interview. But that does, you. your travel is your way to actually bring out the creative side and it helps you meditate and actually get yourself grounded. So that's interesting. And that explains a lot because I've known you for, gosh, I don't know how long now. So... That kind of helps me put a couple uh, things together because I always wondered how you brought that high energy. And that makes sense now because I've always met you. I didn't meet you at home. I met you on the road. So right. I had that freedom and you, you know, built your wings while you were out there. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I love that you call me a storm. I have references. I have X's that'll prove to you that I am a storm. Um, <laughs> but yes, you know, it's... um. That's funny. I, I think there are so many things that we can pull from being children, not from our childhood, just being that essence of being a child, of learning, absorbing. So I really like to wring out my sponge every night so that I can absorb the next day. And I want to absorb it like, the, and I don't mean to be religious, but truly in a sense of God gives you that next day, no matter if at the end of the day, you're wringing out your sponge and you're going, man, this, this was, this was a challenge. This was not, not so fun, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but then the next day, you never know what you're going to get, but you still get that next day and I, I just want to soak up every bit of it so you're absolutely right every moment that I get to when I was you know in Los Angeles and I think we're coming up on three years which yeah Facebook will tell us when that is yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're right um, and it's it's just wonderful any moment that I get in front of this camera where I can start up a show I can learn something every single person has has a drop for that sponge and yeah. I just want to greet it so happily. I like that. Every person has a drop. 
that's really cool because that's, you know, that's that whole, you're not the ocean, you're the, you know, I don't remember what that quote is about the ocean and drops, <laughs> but whatever. Um, so what, tell me a little bit, we got a few minutes left. What is your greatest strength? Oh, that's hard. Greatest strength. Yeah. Probably my lack of focus. <laughs> I, struggle, I struggle to focus on one particular thing all the way through. I see them more as a super highway. Things present to me so fast that I see all of these things. May it be something that needs to be picked up in the kitchen. Well, I don't just see that one thing that needs to be picked up in the kitchen. I see characters coming to me. I see, you know, laundry needs to be done. I see dance classes. I see meals that I can create and new flavors. So it's like a rainbow. It's like I'm, my focus is a walking rainbow and I see it driving the people I live with crazy at times because I will truly open up that dishwasher, empty out the top rack, and then I'm gone. I'll come right back to it, but I'm like gone. <laughs> so I, I must have some form of ADD and I wouldn't be surprised, but I've embraced it and I love it because it's, it's just that rainbow of things. And I, I think if I didn't have that type of focus where it's, it's not scattered, I can't say it's scattered because I see each little color of light each thought if they were all colors of light i see them truly to the end i just see them all together so oh, i'm cool. i'm writing little notes about characters on my phone and then i put that down and in a millisecond i'm doing something else and then i'm you know thinking of new paintings that i want to paint while i'm doing this and that so i'd have to say my biggest strength as annoying as it might be, like I said, to other people to try to witness, I can imagine that's, that's a little like, oh my God, what's wrong with her? Um, but that would be it. That I think. I personally, and, yeah. It sounds very beautiful to be per, because if it's one thing, if you've got all these little, you know, you're like a, a juggler and you've got all these balls in the air, but you actually catch all of those balls and mm -hmm. make something out of them. Each one of them, whether it's the dishwasher, whether it's that character on that post-it note that's sitting on your computer, you finish yes. it up. And that's an incredible trait to have because most people, myself included, don't have quite the follow-through with that. So that's because I do the same thing. I could, I can see things and I, my thoughts just go five different ways and eight ways to Sunday. But there's those things that they'll fascinate me for about 10 minutes and then I'm done with it and then I don't follow through with it. Uh, you know, this podcast to be to start with, but I just personally know that this is what I'm supposed to do. But that's a different story, different episode. But I have that. So what is something that you work on every day to help become better at? My days come at me very, very quickly. So I'd have to say the mantra is keep my eyes open, meaning everything connected with my eyes. So my eyes, my ears, my senses, my mind, everything must be open to receive. So 
I think that is, that is going to be a very, very big thing for me just to be able to receive. And once I receive it, I have a good deal of Catholic guilt that I picked up as a child. Um, <laughs> and I think that's what keeps my integrity there. Because if I miss a moment, I miss something coming into me that could be really, really big. And there's many characters, you know, I fully script and I'm like, mm, it's not time for him or her yet. She, they're they're going to they're gonna hold on for a couple of years. And that's okay because I haven't totally forgotten about them. But for the things over the course of life, you know, of course, I'm not perfect. The things I've forgotten about, that Catholic guilt hits me and it's almost like a mourning. It's like, oh, man, I missed that opportunity. And now I got to wait 10 years for, you know, because you got to feel these things out and execute when the time is right. Just like for you in the show, the time is right. The time is now. It is. And that's what it's interesting because while we didn't really, because I knew going into this podcast that, it wasn't going to be how I thought it was going to be. I just knew because I, because life is what happens you know, when you're busy planning it. But I also knew that this felt good because I knew my thoughts. I was trying to prepare all my thoughts and I had a little script and whatever. And I just like threw that out the window once you started talking because it, you naturally gave me what I needed to know. And it sounds to me just for my audience is that you use your thoughts so vibrantly and you almost color them like that rainbow you talked about, but you use your thoughts so well, like keeping your eyes open and going through with so many different things that you're doing, being a writer, a producer, a mother. I can't think of anything else you do. It, <laughs> you know, your bio is a page long. There's so much in there that, and it's fantastic to me but yet you use your thoughts to carry you through each day. And that sponge metaphor was perfect because my theory is always life is always every day is a reset button. Just hit that little button and boom, the next day it's, it's a clean slate. It's we all have seen whiteboards. You just wipe that whiteboard right. clean and go start beginning. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Mm-hmm. To wrap this up a little bit, can you tell everybody where we can find you? Like, where oh. on social media are you? Because I want them to know about you. Because I'm blessed to know you. You're a really good friend of mine. You're, I love your high energy. You always uplift me every time I talk to you. And it's great to actually finally see you again because we've texted whatever. But that's just not the same. It's so not tell us the- where we can find you. Well, thank you for asking. Of course, Kelly. I am on Instagram as Cooper Elizabeth Cooper or at Cooper Elizabeth Cooper. And then I am on Facebook as Elizabeth Cooper. I'm on IMDB as Elizabeth Cooper. You know, I've kept it very, very simple so that it's, it's easy to find me. I am not on Snapchat or any of those others. I'm, I'm really, if you want to get to me, Facebook is the main platform. I'm also on YouTube under Elizabeth Cooper or um, Cooper Studios for the Caffeinated Cooper Show. And you'll also find some other little tidbits there, you know, little little things that are aging, probably aging out monologues and things that I did in the very, very beginning of my career, which 
probably give everybody a laugh to go back and look at. That's all on YouTube. Um, so the show, the Caffeinated Cooper Show, does air on Facebook and all the Facebook messaging and things. That is actually me when you're talking to me. I've had a lot of questions, you know, is, is this somebody just catfishing or is it you? No, it's, it's me. I do not have enough time to follow up on messages through Instagram or, of course, any other social platform. I really don't use Twitter very often, but you can find me as Elizabeth Cooper on Twitter as well. Um, do you have any upcoming shows that you're planning? I mean, I'm going to give you a platform, promote, 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 promote. Oh, thank you. Yes. The Caffeinated Cooper Show is, it's, it's kind of like a volcano. There's a little smoke. There's a little rumbling happening right now. So every <laughs> Friday uh, in the afternoon, I am coming on. I'm doing a segment called The Weird and Wacky News, which just makes me giggle. I mean, it's such a selfish segment because it's really just for my giggle entertainment. I scour the internet and I find all of the really weird, bizarre news stories that have nothing to do with religion, has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with celebrity news or any, I mean, this is like real people, crazy stuff. Probably the funniest story I heard was about a failed robbery. Three guys go into a restaurant to rob it overnight and they, it was like extensive they're digging in they're in the air ducts they drop from the ceiling they get the cash register they go out the front door but as they're going out they had taken a big bowl of macaroni salad so they decide <laughs> to cut through the woods behind the restaurant and they're eating the macaroni salad and dropping pieces of macaroni salad as they're sharing it out of this bowl. And of course they get caught because the, the dogs start following the macaroni salad trail and they're dropping pieces of the registers they're trying to break it open. Well, one of them happens to drop their wallet. So they had their driver's license. I mean, it's just stupid criminal stuff just cracks me up. So that is the weird and wacky news. We highlight all those wonderful stories. And, and, and that will be on Fridays. Um, I, I'll pop on at about 3, 3.30 in the afternoon Eastern time for that. And then January 1 starts up all the interview segments of the Caffeinated Cooper Show. That's a much more serious side. And it's just like your show to promote other people, give them a platform, I tell all my guests before I start the show, I said, listen, this is not a propaganda show. I have not dug up any dirt on you that I'm not telling you about. I'm not going to ask about your sexual relationships, your child relationships, your childhood, your parents. I said, if you go there, I'll let the conversation go there, but you have to start with it. So it's a wonderful platform to come on to and tell me all about how, what you're doing you know, how we can get involved, how we can find you, things like that. I have a lot of authors. I've had musicians, actors, uh, business owners, financial advisors, uh, you name it. I've had it on the show. And that's been really exciting to have a show that is going into its fourth season. And I can't wait to start up the fourth season, but due to the pandemic, I slowed down. You know, I think we were all hit with changes. And I'm like, oh, this is too many changes for me. <laughs> so I'm going to slow down. And then, then we had a little bit of um, a culture shift. And I wanted to make sure that I was being respectful to all platforms out there. And I took a little time off. So I'm excited to get started up with that. I also have, there is a movie releasing for Christmas time. It's called The Farmer and the Bell with John Schneider 
And there is another actor. I didn't bring the poster with me, Kelly. <laughs> but uh, it's a really cute family Christmas hit film called The Farmer and the Bell. It was filmed in North Georgia, but I have a song that is featured in the film. And this is my one of the first songs that I wrote with Platinum Planet Records out of Nashville, Tennessee. And it's called Baby Love Me. So when you watch the film, which I said is adorable. I mean, it's just sugary sweet, great for the family, adorable. And it is, um, it's about a young girl who doesn't grow up on the farm, but she has some family friends that do. And she visits the farm. Some things happen where she kind of gets embarrassed. She falls in with some pigs and gets really dirty. And that's not how this girl is, right? So she's kind of mortified. And she's near a boy that I think she thinks is kind of cute. And he was taking pictures of her. And, you know, she's posing with the pigs and happens to slip and fall. <laughs> so that is the backstory to then a flash forward from that. And this girl comes back to the farm because she's looking for something that she had lost. Mm -hmm. And so they're searching for it. And it, it's sort of like um, Sweet Home Alabama, you know, where the girl comes back from the big city. She left the career, the high power life, all that kind of stuff. And she thought she was only going to be there for a moment. Well, perhaps she's not there for only a moment. And the song comes on at a perfect place to where these two young loves um, find that maybe they really do like each other again in adult life. And it's, it's really cool. The song was written about my second husband and I, and my desire of him to just shed all of his fears, all of his anxieties and insecurities, and to just be able to truly love, which he was not able to do. Um, and so it really came from a very soft, tender place. And it went into a very soft, tender, beautiful film. And that's what I got, Kelly. <laughs> that's awesome. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to hear the song. And I'm looking forward to it. I mean, everybody knows John Shiner. So, I mean, terrific actor, Dukes of Hazard, that all of that. So that's going to be fantastic. And I forget the name of the person, too, because I have your bio in front of me. And I should have had that with me, but whatever. For my first guest ever on Every Thought Matters podcast, this has been, a, I, honest to goodness, I can't wait to actually edit this and put this all together and have my audience hear it. I just think it's going to be fantastic. I'll send the links out and all that good stuff. But again, thank you so much for joining me and thank you for muddling through this for a little bit for me on my first guest ever on my podcast. So again, thanks. And I will talk to you later. Thank you so much, Kelly. I love it. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. <laughs>